Welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Sherman. I'm your moderator, and with me this week is El Presidente Esposo de la Pastora, Dan Marlowe. Arriba! Worship Director, Co-Presidente, Scott Reed. And second place in the AL Central, Muffin (laughs) Calvin. Go try! Go try down 10 games, unfortunately. Go Guardians. They've got fight, baby. They <laughs> don't give up. That's right. They're playing with their AAA team all season. Are they really? Yeah. Wow. Um, Bill, you're up to pray. Would you pray for us and not for the tribe? Uh, <laughs> got to pray for both. Or the Guardians. Pray for the Guardians. <laughs> well, Lord, we do invite you into this place. We pray you fill us with your Holy Spirit that... We say something that truly does matter for time and eternity, and that people are blessed. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Amen. 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 I am going to my first Major League Baseball game in years uh, this Monday night. I'll Mm. be in Seattle going to the Seattle Mariners. I grew up going to a couple, like a dozen uh, games every summer, but it's been maybe four or five years since I have been, so I'm very excited. Who are they playing? I don't know. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't does not matter to me at all. I'll tell you, um, Scott. Who would you like to see the Mariners play? Um, I assume the Red Sox. Whoever, whoever the worst team. Hopefully the Mariners aren't the worst team. Whoever the worst team in the league is right now. So that there's a good chance that they win. Just for you, Max. Did, thank you. Did You're you welcome. say that the Nate, Astros? Oh, that's bad news. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you know they won't cheat this year. Uh, right, Bill. Is Nancy a White Sox fan or a Cubs fan? I don't think she cares. Oh, okay. Yeah, Nancy. Go Nancy. <laughs> Go Nancy. Uh, and what about Amber? Uh, I think if she had to affiliate with anything, it would probably be the Minnesota Twins. Oh, wow. Who are the team that I'd love to see the Yankees play. Oh, <laughs> it's always a good day when they go to the Twins. The Twins come to them. Why is that? They crush them every time. <laughs> <laughs> the twins are so bad. They're like something like 50 and 51 and 70 lost. It's but, wow. Amazingly, they won about 100 games last year, and this year they what? stink. Wow. Yeah. This is, of course, Bloomingdale Church's only sports podcast, (laughs) WIFM, The Verge. Uh, You're here with Danny M., Scotty R., Bill Muffin C., and, of course, I'm Maxie T. Uh, Scott, (laughs) give us some Would You Rathers, please. All right. So I was... In the restroom, just prior to this. Did you get inspiration? I did. I don't Ooh, even know why. I don't know I don't, what that was means. I thinking about <laughs> either. Why? So what I we're going to do. to ask that question. <laughs> well, it was my tone. It was. I was intrigued. So there I was in the bathroom. Yeah. And suddenly. Yeah, when suddenly I had an idea. I don't know if it's a good idea or not. It's not my <laughs> best <laughs> idea for the Would You Rathers. But okay. I think it's interesting. So what I'm going to do. Is I'm gonna ask. I've got here two cards, which is a grand total of eight questions. Okay. And I'm gonna just go down the list, and I'm gonna give each of us two questions, mm. just in order. Just okay. One and two, three and four, five and six, seven and eight. And I'm gonna ask you both questions. I'm gonna ask you which one you would rather answer Ooh. and why, and then uh. you're gonna answer the one that you would rather answer. Uh. Just so a, sort of like which of these is easier for you to decide between the two, uh, and, why. and then which one you know of of that question, which one would you rather actually do? Okay. All right. I, would, I will say, sometimes the bathroom can be the place for the most inspiration. I think that's fair, especially shower. It, True. I, most of my best thoughts happen in the shower. Hmm. Scott's like, shut up so I can continue. On <laughs> <laughs> you talk enough about baseball. Don't talk about going to the bathroom. All right. Actually, some of these we have, I think we've had before, or at least I've seen them before. Okay. But that's okay because it's a different format. All right, Dan, your two questions. Okay. You're deciding which one is easy, an easier decision for you to make. Are would you rather run across a hungry alligator's back or run underneath an angry elephant? So that's your first choice. And is that easier or harder than deciding between, as a man, having your grandmother's first name or her haircut? (laughs) What are your grandmother's first names? So it's basically Uh, like Teresa and Anne. Which question, like differential, is greater between the two options for you? Oh, man. Yeah. So I think the. The one I'd rather not have to deal with is the um, running underneath an angry elephant or across a hungry alligator's back. That's fair. That would be, I think the chances of death are a lot higher than if I chose my grandmother's haircut or name. <laughs> you Depends never on know. Where, I'd rather be alive. which side of town you live on. Right. <laughs> 
in some parts of the country. But yeah. your hair it's, grows out, right? That's so a much I mean, lower. That's right. That's a much lower stakes. Here question. in the heart of the nation, is your haircut permanent? I think I think, I think you have so. to assume it's permanent. I think you have to. Aww. Well, yeah. Same it's like a, as regularly as you perm. currently get your haircut, you will get your haircut back to your grandma's style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so every three to four weeks. All right. Yeah. Hey, it yeah. worked for George Washington. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Look what happened to him. Well, these days. No oh, man, having a woman's name wouldn't be all that out of the ordinary. What was your, what are your grandma's names? Teresa. Teresa and Anne. You'd be Teresa a great Anna. Teresa. You could be Terry. Terry's a all right. I'll go for that. Thank Terry you. Marcello. I'm gonna Terry write that Marcello. down. That's your. I wonder. I never tried to call my grandma. Terry. All right, man. Change like your it. name and my phone. All right. This one. <laughs> there's a lot of words here, so bear with me. Bring it on. So your first question. I'm great with words. Would you rather ride a bicycle along a wooden plank 12 inches wide, 50 stories above the ground for 100 yards? So 12 inches wide, 50 stories high, 100 yards. Wow. Or walk along a... Oh, and you're on a bicycle. Or walk along a wooden plank 4 inches wide, 50 stories, 50 story, same height, for a quarter mile. What? Okay, so that's your first question. What? And then the your other question is, would you rather eat a small can of cat food or eat seven whole lemons? Seeds, pulp, juice, and rind. Okay. <laughs> okay, so... At the same time? Um, I'll say the easier question to answer is the is the the 50 feet high question. That's easier to answer. That's easier to answer, and my answer is bike. Why is it easier to answer? Well, I'm I'm not You're letting myself bike? I'm not letting myself consider the possibility that wind or whatever is going to cause this beam to like swing back Wait, and how forth. How thin is the the track? It's a foot. All right. So a foot is not, not bad, bad because I growing up I spent a, a, plenty of time riding a bike and would often try and just keep my wheels in on on the uh, the lane line mm-hmm. on the side of the road, which is right about five inches wide tops Mm -hmm. four or five and i was pretty consistent at staying right on that line so i think for a hundred yards i could probably keep it steady way more than four inches i mean four inches is like you know the width of your hand four inches is about this and i'm gonna be walking side to like i'm gonna have to like side to side walk all the way across this beam keeping my balance is gonna be like impossible i'd rather i'd rather ride the bike and if things go wrong i jump off the bike just grab onto that beam but hold on until the Coast Guard gets or there. Or you could just eat a small can of cat food. I would do that. Well, I'm I'm not choosing between those four options. I'm saying I am way more convinced that I prefer the bike than I am convinced that okay. I prefer the cat food. Can you I wear see. a parachute for our own? I don't think so. I'd be worried about you. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. But it would be a great story for the podcast. <laughs> and that's what we're here for. Uh, <laughs> wow. All right. Interesting. I did not see that one coming. My feelings about the bike are stronger and clearer than my feelings about the lemons versus sense. the cat food. That makes That's sense. the game. I'm playing the game. You gotta, right. you gotta be. This is your bathroom game. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> living in it. <laughs> All right, Moving Bill. on. Moving on. <laughs> Bill, would you rather? Okay, so here's your two questions, and you're trying to decide which one is easier to answer. Your first question is spending would you rather spend 3 weeks in a lifeboat with a person who talks incessantly about his or her medical problems <laughs> or with a person who has a chronic wet hacking cough? So that's question number 1. Is that easier or more difficult to answer than would you rather be the shortest boy in the 4th grade or the tallest girl in the 4th grade? So which one is easier to answer? Probably the shortest boy. All right. All right. There you go. All right. There you have it. There it is. And Scott. All right. My two questions are, would I rather be put in a time machine and sent back to a time when carnivorous dinosaurs roamed the earth? Ooh, nice. Or be sent to a time millions of years in the future when the sun is weak and pollution and overcrowding have taken over? Wow. Those are terrifying. True. Or would I rather lose my ability to speak for one year or my ability to walk for a year? Mm. Hmm. It'd be hard to have your job without being able to speak. That's true. So am I assuming that I'm getting sent to this time and I'm just stuck there forever? Oh, that's a great... It sounds like it. It sounds it like it. does permanent. sound like that. Okay, so it's permanent? Yeah. All right. Well, then I think... I think it's easier for me to choose between a speaking or walking, and I think I would lose the ability to speak for one year. Mm. Wow. So I could better appreciate the sound 
of a whisper. That's a line from A Knight's Tale, which is a great movie. But also, if I couldn't walk for a year, I would probably gain a ton of weight, which would be way more obnoxious to work off at the end of it than just mm. having to deal with other modes of communication. I bet you'd have something super profound to say at the end of a year, not speaking. You'd say, I his w- name is John. <laughs> uh, Dan, give me a number between one and a thousand one. Okay, I'm trying to think what we've not done. 264, 264 Glen Ellen Road. That seems hey. like a pretty safe mm. bet. Uh, this, of course, comes from the book 1001 Things You Always Wanted to Know About the Bible But Never Thought to Ask by Sing Along at Home listeners, J. Stephen Lang. Woo! <laughs> Uh, 264 comes from Sins, Crimes, and Villains section of this book, (laughs) Jeremiah's Dungeon. Uh, Saintly people often end up, ironically, in prison, and this happened often in the Bible. The prophet Jeremiah rattled the establishment by preaching against its sins, and he was in and out of prison quite often. His worst imprisonment was a dungeon with a floor of muck, and Jeremiah, quote, sank in the mire. The prophet was lowered into it with ropes. One of, I'm sorry, I'm turning the page here. One of the king's servants persuaded the king to release Jeremiah from the dungeon, but Jeremiah was still kept in a prison. Um, are you guys familiar with this story? Mm-hmm. Of why does he get thrown in? He preached against what was going on. This is in Judah slash Israel. Yes, yes. He, he was prophesying correctly that Jerusalem was going to fall. Mm-hmm. And the other prophets yeah. were false prophets and were saying, no, no, God is going to spare us. And the king didn't like what Jeremiah's prophecies were because mm-hmm. there was such bad news. And he seemed to be the only faithful one at the time saying no, who was disagreeing and saying, this is God's wrath is coming. Hmm. So if he he's prophesying this because God is telling him to, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and so he goes he into like the most miserable ministry. Right? Poor guy. Well, so that's my question is like why why does I know the answer is like we don't know or like it's up to God or you know, mm-hmm. there's consequences to other people's sins and and our own sins and things like that. But like why does Jeremiah have to he's the one who's standing up for what's right like everybody else is lying mm-hmm. they're filling their their ears with uh things they want to hear with uh false prophecies and false teachings um and yet uh and God is the one who's instructing him to to stand up for it and he's having the guts to do it and his reward is to have a miserable life situation um, it didn't get better. I think if memory serves, they got exiled. And then over time, people were like, oh, we're going to come back. We're yes. going to come back soon. He's like, no, we're not coming back. Yeah, and he's <laughs> they didn't like, like that he, either. he delivers the one that says, you know, put down roots <laughs> yeah. and, like, you know, live in your cities and build your families right. and marry your, you know, have your daughters and your sons. And so it didn't like get better people. for him once they got carried off in exile either. No. He continues to tell the truth. Right. Again, way to go, Jeremiah. Yeah. But like, man, that's yeah. that's rough. Just shows how much people don't like to hear the truth, like the honest, sure, truth yeah, yeah. When it contains bad news, yeah. I, I get the impression Jeremiah received the respect of the enemy. Hmm. That that king and those people believed in him, hmm. but he had a hard life. There's no doubt yeah. about it. And I get the impression he was single too. That mm-hmm. He was all alone. He didn't even have the support of a wife to help him at that time. I think God was pretty upfront with him, too. He's like, you're going to go to people that are not going to listen to you. Yeah, he was. I'm not going to, like, you know, beat around the bush or paint it in a light that's really positive. It's like, it's going to be tough. And it was a long ministry. His ministry was like 40, 50 years. He started young and... Wow. Man. Wow. It's going to be cool to meet him in heaven. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. And he wrote the book of Lamentations. Well, I don't blame him. I don't blame him either. He had plenty to lament. He did. Um, I know, like, the answer is, it's almost rhetorical of a question of, like, why did he still go through with it? Because the Mm -hmm. answer is because God told him to and he was faithful. Mm -hmm. But I'm still going to ask, and I'd appreciate an answer other than that, or just a longer answer than that. <laughs> Why did he still go through with it? Like as all these, every time he does what God asks him to do, yes, God probably says like, way to go. Well done, good and faithful servant. Don't go into thy rest. I've got more things for you to do that mm-hmm. people are going to hate. 
Like, why does he keep following God no matter what, like, the world consequences around him are, right? He does what God Mm -hmm. asks him to do, uh, which is something we talk a lot about on this show of hearing God's calling in our lives. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's scary sometimes to read Jeremiah and be like, here's a guy who knew exactly what God wanted him to do. He Mm -hmm. did it, and things just got worse nonstop. Yeah. You have to add to it. It's not like he's one of these people that just really likes being the bearer of bad news. There's some people like mm. that. They're, they're just completely oblivious or, or hardened against people complaining. Yeah. Just like, hey, this is it, tough. Mm-hmm. But he's called the weeping prophet, yeah. which yeah. shows a real sensitivity on his part. He loves the people... Yeah. Of Judah, and it's breaking his heart to tell him all this bad news. That's mm-hmm. what I was just thinking, too. I think he had that call from the Lord to do it, and because of that, he was he really saw the brokenness of the people and their mm-hmm. need for the Lord, how they had really turned astray, also saw what was coming, Yeah, didn't want them to have to experience that and go through that. Yeah. And so I'm sure that motivated him as well to be faithful, even though, to a certain extent, he probably knew what the final outcome was going to be. Mm-hmm. There's something else that we forget Jeremiah is filled with the Holy Spirit. That's true. Right. We always think of, well, the Holy Spirit doesn't come till Acts chapter two. Well, no, no, <laughs> he is eternal God. Hmm. He has always been. And he would fill these prophets, not only so they could prophesy, but so they could also live the life that they're prophesying. Hmm. So, I, I really think he just walked in the power of the Spirit all those days, and that upheld him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, when you read Jeremiah 1, the interaction he has with God is pretty intimate and, and real. Um, you know, God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I anointed you, I appointed you a prophet of the nations, um, which like, just to me, like the, that, that first line before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, it just seems so tender and and genuine and loving. And then Jeremiah responds and then God talks back and there's this whole conversation. And he says, the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. It's really Mm. real and tangible. Um, and I think if, if you encounter God in that way, it doesn't matter what he's telling you to do. Like, you're going to do it because mm. like you've seen God. And like when we see Isaiah's encounter with God and his reaction, it's, you know, there's not really an alternative when you see God mm. in that way. Mm. Um, and mm. Moses and the burning bush. And then when he saw God in, in his, as he passed born, his well, like, yeah. it's just, there's yeah. no, there's no other option. It's like, what are you going to do? You're going to see that and say no. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. what a privilege to be in the presence of God and to talk with him. I mean, we have this great privilege. We don't, it just doesn't seem to sink in to my spirit that I am talking to God. Mm. I don't get to talk to the president of the United States and the president can't do anything compared to what God can do. Mm -hmm. God can do things that matter for eternity in my life. The president at best can do something to help me through something rough, you know, for a short while. Sure. it's really something. So if you're a prophet like Jeremiah, you've been having this intense communion with God. I think that just carried him through his lifetime. Mm. And once you've been with God, you don't want to settle for anybody less. Mm. Yeah. Be really a big disappointment to say, well, you know what? <clears throat> this king is, I, I think he could substitute mm. for God. Yeah. No, once you've been around God, everything else is just paled in comparison. Mm. Are there still new prophets after Jesus? Are there more prophets? And if not, why not? I believe there are prophets, but I don't believe that there's anything they've said that can be added to the canon of Scripture. Like no new revelation from God right. in that sense? Mm. Like. There's definitely people that have the gift of prophecy, like Scripture. We've talked about that in the podcast before. Yeah. There's people that have that gift yeah, and that use it and exercise it in the church. Mm. So in that sense, yeah, they're, they're prophets. Mm. But yeah, that's kind of where 
we draw the line from something like Islam that says after Jesus there was another prophet that came. Right. And he's the guy you really need to listen to. It hmm. Really, is like a deviation from what the Bible teaches. Sure, and the Mormons, and the Mormons, and, and the, the Jehovah's Mormons, Witnesses, and the Jehovah's Witnesses. And the one that has um, a temple in Winnetka, Baha'i. Baha'i. Oh, they have a. Well, now he's dead, but they had a prophet that's superseded all the previous prophets. Hmm. I mean, it doesn't seem like God would need another prophet after Jesus comes. Seems right. pretty sufficient. Yeah. Like, <laughs> God, God himself in comes, the flesh comes like, down. Right. It means really a lot of hubris for Muhammad to come along and say, yeah, I'm, I'm one up on Jesus. Right, right. Right. right away, everybody should have been saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm. You, know, mm-hmm. you are obviously a false prophet. Because Paul is considered an apostle, not a, right. not a prophet. Correct? Well, both, really. Okay. He's both. What does it mean to be a prophet? One thing is that you not only forth tell the truth, but you can foretell. Hmm. And he, he was able to foretell. One that comes to my mind is he's telling the captain of the ship and the sailors, we shouldn't go out into sea. We oh, are going yeah. to shipwreck. Oh, that's right. And he's not a sailor. He's not an expert, but God has given him a word, and he told it, and he was right. Hmm. And he told him that no one jump overboard, stay mm-hmm. on the ship, mm-hmm. you'll be all right. Yeah. Yes. Did they listen to him? Yeah. Well, when they were in the storm, they did. Yeah. They, they started realizing this guy does know what he's talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. And he has prophecies about the end times in his writings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that makes John. I was going to say that makes John a prophet and an apostle as well, then, right? Mm -hmm. I hope so. Otherwise, who knows what Revelation is, (laughs) if not prophecy. (laughs) Which I think actually in Revelation 1 or 2, it it says this is prophecy. Mm -hmm. I think it's Revelation 1. Mm -hmm. I was just reading in Acts today about Peter seeing the vision from that the Lord gave him with the sheet that came down from heaven. Yeah. So I mean, Peter is in that company too. Hmm. Going back to to Jeremiah as sort of like the weeping prophet and and his commitment to the truth, his commitment to to uh, what did you say? Forth telling, forth telling the what, truth, yeah, not what, just foretelling, but forth telling. Mm, that's what Bill said. Yeah, um, forth telling the the truth in our lives, in in my life or the life of a listener. You know if. The truth could cost you a job or cost you a, a relationship, but cost you a, you know, even a relationship with like a child or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Um, again, to avoid like the, the simple one-line answer, where can the strength come from to remain attached to the truth, to not mm-hmm. give up? Uh, when it comes to saying, okay, the cost is too great now mm-hmm. uh, to lose me my job or my house or my la- relationship with my kids, my relationship with my mm. best friends, my uh, my way of life, my self-identity necessarily, like mm-hmm. to stick to um, what I know God is telling me to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we don't, you know, Bill said himself, you know, we do get to talk to God and we don't get to talk to the president of the United States. But we also don't have that special relationship that a lot of the the prophets did have, and certainly all the apostles who are also prophets have seen Jesus with their own eyes, or you know some of the, like the OT prophets who who saw God in in one way or another and spoke to him and and heard him clearly respond in length. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how can we stick to that? How have you stuck to that? That makes me think. The last thing you said makes me think of Jesus' response to Thomas. Um, you know, we might not have the special relationship, as you say, and yet Jesus says, because of that, if we're faithful, it's like an even greater blessing for mm. us because we haven't seen and yet we still believe. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah. you know, that's it. It's just all about, well, for one thing, the, the one sentence answer is, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit is what's going to keep it going. I mean, look at the, yeah, right. the Christians in Afghanistan. Like, do you think that they're doing that by their own power? Like, certainly not. Yeah. Um, but uh, beyond that, I think, you know, it's perspective. And if we can really have a correct perspective, which is something also granted by the Holy Spirit, if we can really have a correct perspective on this life and in comparison to the weight of eternity, 
there's really no comparison. It's, it's mm-hmm. it might be hard, but if you can have that correct perspective, which is not easy, and it's not easy to really like own that in your spirit, kind of like Bill was saying about talking to God, it's hard to have that really sink into your spirit. But if you can get to that point, like there's never going to be a question. Hmm. It's like, why in the world would I sacrifice everything, everything for all of eternity to keep this job? Yeah. Or even as hard and, well, hard in terms of challenging and hard in terms of like cruel is not quite the right word, but hard in terms of hard-hearted. As it sounds like, how could I possibly give up everything for this relationship? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's it's just not going to be worth it. Yeah, and and pray for yourself for discernment, mm-hmm. like for all of us, as we have to speak words of truth to people and mm-hmm. in what tone we say it, when and how. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are all things we, like Scott said, really need to depend on the Holy Spirit for. So it doesn't come across as us just shooting out an yeah. arrow at someone, even though it might be truthful, yeah. done in love. But yeah, discernment is huge when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. And keeping in mind too, I think that like God's word doesn't return void. So like if you follow, if you're obedient in that, one of two things will, or perhaps two of two things, but at least one of two things will happen. Either God will use that moment to work in the person that you're talking to's life, which probably means that long-term you won't lose that relationship, even if short-term they're upset with you. Uh, or alternatively, God is going to use that moment to, to transform you and to grow you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good point. So either way, like it's going to accomplish something good. Um, and God, he's not going to give you that for no reason. No. Uh, mm-hmm. It's either for you or them or both. Yeah. Um, well. A lot of times we don't want to speak the truth at times because we think, well, I know myself as a struggling people pleaser. I want mm-hmm. to make people happy, but you can't always make people happy. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And it's it's more important to be faithful to what God's telling you to do and say, mm. even though it might be hard. Yeah. Um, well, I think Scott brought up uh, something that I, I want to transition into mm. briefly. Uh, is you know, Scott, you were mentioning at the top of the uh, while we were getting set up that uh, you posted an article about how to pray for people in Afghanistan and the situation in Afghanistan with the United States uh, pulling its troops out mm-hmm. um, ahead of the 20th anniversary of uh, September 11th. Um, would Can we uh, talk a little bit to uh, how we can um, be a support for uh, the, our country, for the soldiers who are coming back, from the people who are still stuck there? Like, how can we pray for that situation? How can we be engaged in the situation? Mm. Um, if you know anybody, or perhaps you will come to know somebody who has come back. I mean, we didn't have a ton of troops there. So the chances of knowing um, one of them is maybe not enormous. But if you do, you know, to come alongside that person, as I'm sure, I can't even imagine what they're experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, probably some relief, but also guilt and and yeah, I, I imagine a whole mess of complex emotions. But definitely come alongside them um, and other refugees. I, they're going to need us, and, and as the church, it's our—it's really our responsibility to show love to these people if we encounter them, which maybe we won't. Uh, but if we do, you know, we need to—we need to be ready to show love to them, whether that's returning soldiers or refugees or whomever that's that's been affected by this. And as far as prayer goes, I would just say—I uh, mean, there's a million ways you could pray, uh, but one way that I think we really need to challenge ourselves to pray uh, is to pray for the Taliban. Because, mm. you know, Paul says, said, um, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so I, I'm, I, we should probably also be praying for the protection for the Christians, but for them, as for us, to die is gain. They're better off, as crazy and wild as that sounds. I mean, think about Stephen's martyrdom and, like, his reaction to it. Like, mm-hmm. it's not the world's reaction. So I, I think it's... it's you know, we need to pray for God's will to be done in terms of the protection of these saints because maybe God's will is to take them up to be with him now and praise God if it is because what a better life they're going to have Amen. if that is what it is. Um, so that's that's something to, you know, just pray for his will to be done and yeah. and, and pray for discernment to mm-hmm. pray. Um, and then for the Taliban, praying that they would be saved. Like mm-hmm. they are, if, if we're not praying for the Taliban, our perspective on God is too small. Yeah. Because yeah, they're extremists. Yeah, they're violent. Yeah, they're way out there on the far end, like f- probably about as far as you can be from, from being um, believers. But so what? 
Like that doesn't matter at all. Like God mm -hmm. can, and I'm sure will save some of them or perhaps even a lot of them. And if the whole global church is fixating their prayer lives and eyes and minds on what's going on in Afghanistan, like I believe that God will do something amazing there. And it might be through the faithful sacrifice of the Christians that are there, that they shine this light in an unmistakable way, uh, to the people that are martyring them. Hmm. Um, it's a such a big, scary, complicated issue, and yet our God is so much bigger, um, and he's going to do something. In particular, if we're praying about it, I think we're going to see him do some amazing things. Hmm. Amen. That Amen. was really well said. Absolutely. I read a book last week called The God of the Impossible by Samuel Naaman. He's mm -hmm. the founder of the South Asian Friendship Center in mm -hmm. Chicago. Cool. It's 10 stories of... 10 Muslims from not quite 10 different countries, but different countries, different time frames, turning to Christ. And a couple of them were very radical, mm. violent people, like a captain in the Taliban, mm. let's say. Mm. And, and yet what it affirmed in my thinking was the people who are oftentimes the most likely to turn to Christ are the ones who are really, really vehemently opposed because they're such, on the human side, they are idealists mm. and they really, really believe in what they're saying. And now they're having second, second um, thoughts about being with them. And they see somebody that they've held at gunpoint, for instance, and their reaction, they think, who is this? Where do they get this kind of power? And, and they end up turning to Christ. Mm -hmm. it, it is, it's a terrific little book. Mm -hmm. but, it, but it gives me hope for exactly what you said, Scott, that yes, this has already happened many, many times throughout the world. We should pray with expectancy. Mm. Yeah. Taliban means students in Arabic, mm -hmm. students of the Quran, Allah, but praying they'll become students of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. One of the ones I read was about a boy who had memorized the entire Quran by the age of eight. He was being groomed to be, a, I think it was a mullah, which is a, a scholar. And if I've kept my story straight, his grandfather had been a very well thought of mullah and had an occasion where he spoke before 10,000 people. It sounds like on a yearly basis. So he saw the respect his grandfather commanded and he thought, all right, I'll follow my grandfather's footsteps. But he, somebody put a New Testament into his hands and he read it. And this is a common story. When they read the scriptures, it transforms their lives. So there's a lot to be said for mm. getting Bibles into people's hands mm. That, mm. that don't know Christ, yeah. particularly to get them into even the enemy's hands. And, and the Holy Spirit strives with the scriptures. He, he, he wrote the scriptures, mm -hmm. so of course he loves the scriptures. Mm. And he can do way more than... Just friendship evangelism. Can do. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Amen. Bill, would you mind just praying really quick for uh, both the, the Christians and yeah. uh, the Muslims and the, the Taliban and, and the U.S. forces and uh, everyone and mm. all the refugees? Well, Almighty God, we believe you are almighty. There's no limits to your power and there's no limit to your compassion my goodness, you sent your son to die on a cross mm. for these very people. Mm. So we pray firstly for the Taliban, mm -hmm. that there would be members of the Taliban, even today, saying, obviously, I'm on the wrong path. Mm. And mm -hmm. yeah. they would call out to you and ask for you to be real. And we know that you are anxious to answer that prayer, and that they turn to you and they become the new Samuel Naamans and his father, who was a radicalized Muslim once upon a time. We, we pray for that to be the reality. Mm -hmm. And in the same breath, we pray for all those people who are 
being tormented right now because of because of the Taliban and the fight with Afghanistan and the United States. Lord, we pray your best on them. Yeah. And your best may be you are going to heaven today. Mm-hmm. We pray your best for them because some of them, most of them are unsaved and we we don't want to see them die and have eternity in hell. We pray instead that they will come to salvation and that they would be able to get out of there and come to the United States or to some other country that will really care for them and help them establish a new life. Mm-hmm. We think of the Christians that are there who are surely concerned, especially about their children. Nobody wants to see their children undergo this. Mm. We pray for you to make the way straight that they could come out of this. And then finally, I just think of what you did in Vietnam and how Mm. it was such a bleak time in April of 1975. And then roughly 15 years later, the CMA missionaries went back to Vietnam and found, instead of a church of 100,000, found a church of a million, that it had exploded in growth. And Lord, we, we pray that for Afghanistan, that just like Korea turned from Buddhism to Christianity, Afghanistan would turn from Islam to Christianity. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Um, Well, let's get into the topic of the week. Topic of the week this week is brought to you once again by Life Coaching Group. What is the gap between where you are now and where you want to be? The Life Coaching Group is a guided discovery and coaching experience designed to help you understand the resources God placed in you that set you apart. You're invited to a coaching group in which we will partner together in a thought-provoking and creative process to increase awareness and design action toward your God-designed potential using the Identity Profile Self-Awareness Tool. The Ipsat. The Life Coaching Group. For more information and to register, visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash life coaching. I was talking to Daniel Ream about it today. Obviously, that's his uh, group, his class, his baby. Uh, the Ipsat um, is at least in this church, belongs to Daniel Riemenschneider, <laughs> if not, as it were, in the rest of the world. Um, <laughs> but I will say, uh, he's saying, you know, this is a, a basically the, the IPSAT class 2.0, um, which is leaning more and more into discussion, which was definitely uh, of the classes I taught of the IPSAT, my favorite and, and the, the students' favorite part of the course, not my teaching. Um, but this group leans more into that discussion, uh, that connection between people, um, and really one of the things that that does best of seeing how other people relate to their results uh, in order to have a better idea of how you relate to yours. Um, so I would highly recommend it. It's a really cool course, and now it's in more of like this group, uh, small, almost like a small group uh, setting. So I could, I would highly recommend uh, getting involved with that if you haven't before. Uh, for topic of the week this week, we're doing a new segment called "Enough Hemming and Hawing." Uh, Scott and I were. Having having a discussion Mm. today about our favorite topic, the Wheaton College Men's Glee Club. Mm. Uh, And the question (laughs) came up that is relevant to uh, something you all preached on uh, in the last month. Uh, this idea, uh, if you'll exclu- excuse the, the, the language that I use to describe this question, what counts as tithing? Uh, I don't like using the word counts because it, it, it kind of has this sort of excuse generating uh, idea of like, well, I have this responsibility to God. What can I do to like pay off my debt? Like, oh, does that count? Is that going to be on the test? Uh, which is obviously not the idea. But for example, if I'm to donate to Wheaton College, uh, a Christian institution who, you know, their stated purpose is for, you know, for Christ and his kingdom, for uh, creating young professionals, young missionaries, uh, just young Christians who understand the Bible and are at work in the world. Uh, If I donate directly to international workers, whether through this church and through um, uh, the CMA as a whole or even outside the CMA or to World Vision uh, or to something like that, Does that, and again, forgive the word, does that count? And I understand that this is catastrophically missing the point of tithing. (laughs) 
Um, but let's speak to that of why it is catastrophically missing the point of tithing to be like, well, I already give X amount to this organization. So that covers me for tithing. Mm. Um, what is the point of tithing then? Let's start with the, the building blocks here. And I know we've covered that in a sermon uh, series last month, but in your own words, uh, as you all preached in your own words, what is the <laughs> point of tithing? The point of tithing is that you walk by faith instead of by sight. Mm. It's not like God needs your money. Mm-hmm. God could even rescue churches without money. He, so it's not really about the money and becoming very legalistic about 10%, although I, I really think that's where it begins. Um the point is that you are trusting God. Mm-hmm. And, and the tithe... That's I, right. I, I know this isn't a perfect analogy, but there's something about 10% that's a lot like 90 feet in baseball. Hmm. There's something just magical about how the bases are 90 feet apart. So it's 90 feet from home plate to first base. If it was 91 or 92 or 89... Baseball would not be right. There's, there's just something that you you can get the runner by an eyelash at 90 feet, but you you miss him if it's at 91, or he he does he doesn't. It's not even close at 91. Mm-hmm. And there, that's the way it is with a tie. There's for most of us. I'm not speaking of the people with outrageously great incomes, but for most of us, that tithe is enough to pinch us. Mm. That we say, man. Can I really do this? Especially when you're starting with it. Mm. Can I really do this? This is, just seems like an awful mm. lot of money. And yet, it's not so much that it crushes us. Mm. Mm. So there's something perfect about that 10%. Well, why should I be surprised? You know, God's the one that came up with that formula. Mm. Hmm. Mm. I'm, th- I'm thinking about your question, does it count? Yeah. And I guess suppose my response would be, it's really between you and the Lord mm. of what do you sense that God is telling you to do? Mm. Do you sense that he's leading you to give this to Wheaton College? Then do it mm. and do it with a joyful heart. Mm. Do you sense that he's saying, well, I'd rather have you rather give to the local church this month and then give above and beyond to Wheaton College, for example. I'm just throwing stuff out there. Yeah. Then do that. But I don't think you can go wrong just being responsive to what God is saying. There's been times where... God has told Amber and I, you have a friend that's in need. Give the tithe to that person. Hmm. Give the whole tithe to them. Like, well, okay. And most of the time it's just giving to the local church and to missions and things like that. But there's times when God spoke to us and said, use it for this. Okay, I'm not going to argue with that. And I don't understand why, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I think if you're, it definitely, quote unquote, counts when, you, <laughs> when you're just listening to what God wants you to do. Yeah. And I think that, that Bill's exactly right, and that that's like a really that like that's a great starting point. I think if you're giving less than a tenth, you should probably spend some time praying about how much you're giving and stuff. But I also don't think we should just have it as this sort of like magic checkbox. It's like, oh, I gave a tenth, and now I'm done. Mm. Um, because I think in the New Testament, what we really see is this call to give generously, yeah. uh, which also plays off of what Bill was saying about you know giving and kind of living by faith. Um, and so I think, you know, if, if you're understanding tithing, which a lot of people don't, they just think of tithing in terms of giving. But if you're understanding tithing in terms of a tenth, then I think you can get closer to that. Does this count? I gave 10% to whatever. Like, am I good? Am I? But yeah. I think if we just turn, think in terms of giving generously, then, mm-hmm. you know, then we can much more easily, depending on your mindset and the kind of person you are, but we can much more easily get into like the, what Dan was talking about of like, God, where do you want me to, like, I know you want me to be, giving generously. I know you want me to be providing for, Mm. um, for the church, the workers, you know, the ministry workers, that's something we see in the new Testament as well for providing for the needs of others, um, for just taking care of others, you know, Matthew, what, 28, I think the sheep and the goats, what Jesus says that like, there's a lot of responsibility here. Um, how do you want me to do it, um, Mm. this time? And, uh, yeah, so I, I think, I think it's just, it's just that. And because, yeah, God doesn't need our money. Uh, I think of, of Isaiah, or not Isaiah, Elijah in the wilderness when he was like almost dead and then God sent an angel to feed him. Mm. God could send angels to feed all of us. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need, he doesn't need our money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
he sent manna from heaven for the Israelites. Like he doesn't need our money, um, but he wants us to give because it's it's going to work in our hearts mm-hmm. um, to not trust to mention, him better. Not to mention he gave us our money in the first place. Right. Through, mm-hmm. you know, as uh, Tim Yeah, it's Keller really his. And, yeah. It's his money. We're simply the stewards. Yeah. I heard a sermon that challenged me. It was by Andy Stanley, and he talked about how as your income goes up over time, so should the percentage that you give. Hmm. I, I, was, I appreciated that because it's not something you, it's easy to like, just kind of think you mentioned this, like 10% in bill, you said like it's a starting point, but it's not the ending point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like as, as God is generous with us, that should motivate us to greater generosity. Yeah. Now I admire Rick Warren. He probably started only at 10%, but then I think he quickly jumped it to a, a double. And then he was doing this. Every year he would add 1%. So he was in like the 30-some percentile when he wrote The Purpose Driven Life. And that book sold a minimum of 30 million copies. I I think it sold way more than that because it's in other languages too. Mm -hmm. He, He set it up so that he was giving 90% and keeping 10 and he paid back the church all the salary they had given him over say 20 years Whoa. he has a powerful testimony in in the secular journalism world because i remember time magazine came out and interviewed him yeah. and they wanted to really lump him in with people like creflo dollar mm. and he, he turns around and says well, you can see I'm living in the same home I've always lived in, driving the same car. Mm. And the reporters are just blown away because nobody does that when they have a big windfall. It's always, well, I got to have a bigger house and I got to have a newer car and a fancier mm. car. And True. He did the exact opposite. He stayed with his simple lifestyle mm-hmm. and gave tens of millions of dollars. When you think about it, the book... He he made it an inexpensive book for the local church, but I think it sold for about sixteen ninety five to nineteen ninety five at a place like Walmart. Yeah. So a, a lot of money came in from that book. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just gave it away. Wow. Mm-hmm. Is he still the pastor of Saddleback Church? I believe so. And I'm wondering about him too because his. Way, way, way back when, when he was starting out in the ministry, his plan was he would stay at Saddleback until the year 2020, and his hope was Saddleback would plant, I believe it was 20 other churches, and the number 20 is in there another time. I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember, what was that other 20? And, and he, they met all those goals way back, like in the year 2000. They had already planted 20 churches. And so I'm thinking COVID hit in 2020 real hard. And I'm wondering, did he just say, I'm not, this isn't the time for me to retire mm-hmm. from this church? Mm-hmm. Makes me curious. Is Creflo Dollar's last name really his last name? <laughs> Dollar? Change it. <laughs> Who's Creflo Dollar? Well, I think he's a televangelist, right? Yeah, he's like, a guy that has a Gulfstream jet, and he needs a bigger Gulfstream jet. Oh, so yeah. He's a real embarrassment to the yeah. cause yes. of Christ. Yes. Is his last name really Dollar? Mm. Man, we should have a whole episode where we talk about prosperity gospel, but I don't think... I don't want that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do it. If for no other reason than I don't want people looking up prosperity. Gospel. Oh, it's just so negative. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, it, well, I mean, I become real negative talking about it. Mm. And I think I, I just don't want to live in that realm for more than a minute. I get upset mm. talking about it. When you think yeah, of sure. We're hoodwinked by it in like rural Africa that they've got mm. all these followers and people giving money because mm-hmm. they really want to get rich because mm-hmm. they got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. They and tested me in India with that. There was a man who was essentially a congressman sitting down at the same luncheon and he says, well, we appreciate the people you send to us. I thought, okay. And he starts naming names. Creflo Dollar is the one I can remember. But he named some other ones. I think Benny Hinn might have been oh. one. Mm. And, and so I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, oh. Finally, I just said, you know, 
We don't really trust those guys. Well, I, I personally don't. They just are so oriented to money that they've compromised the true gospel. And then the guy just kind of lit up. That was my test. He wanted to see where mm. I was going to stand. Mm. And then he goes on to tell me, oh, yeah, they came to India and they had to stay in the finest hotels. And, and it sounds like they were putting a lot of this burden on the Indian people. Mm. And so I could tell, all right, this guy really, really doesn't believe one iota in yeah. Creflo Dollar, Benny Hinn, all these guys that are prosperity gospel people. Benny Hinn had so many prophecies he made that never came true. Hmm. They always find a way to spin it. Well, let me ask you, Bill, uh, to kind of close the topic, you know, one of the things that I love uh, about what you talk about with tithing and, and you said it in your sermon of like, you can't outgive God, right? Mm -hmm. And that can, depending on how it's said or how it's received, shave up against the idea of like, oh, you got to plant the seed and God will give back like tenfold. And, and obviously, to be completely clear, mm -hmm. that is not what you preach. Uh, it's not even close to what you preach theologically. Mm -hmm. um, but for, you know, people who fall into the trap of, of going for uh, somebody who uh, has a prosperity gospel message, you know, what is that, that fundamental difference between you can't outgive God uh, and, right. and, you know, you give so that God can give back to you more? So when... Brian Cluth came. Mm -hmm. He said something that really, really strikes to the heart of it. The prosperity gospel is you give in order to get more for yourself. Mm. The real gospel is you give and God does prosper you, but you you turn right around and you're thrilled with that prosperity because then you turn around and give that to God. Mm -hmm. There's a big, mm -hmm. big difference. Mm -hmm. And you see it on television. They're, they're making it clear. You give and God's going to bless you and you're going to be able to buy that boat. You're going to be able to move into mm -hmm. that better home. And you're never going to hear me preach that. That's just not yeah. right. Yeah, that's true. I think in terms of, you know, you can't outgive God compared to the prosperity gospel. I think the prosperity gospel tries to dictate what God is going to give you back. Mm. And it says it's material wealth. But, mm. you know, I remember one thing, I think this was from your sermon, but I've heard you talk about this stuff a lot, so it might have been from a different time, Bill. But, you know, you said something about the most generous people are usually the happiest or the most joyful. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, you can outgive God because what God has to give is so much more than just money. And maybe he'll bless you, you know, like what he, what Bill was saying and what Brian Kluth was saying, maybe he'll bless you with more yeah. uh, wealth so that you can continue to give it away. Or, or maybe he'll just bless you with a joyful spirit or with a, a peaceful home or who knows. Mm -hmm. But like how many people wouldn't trade all that they have for like a peaceful home, <laughs> yeah. let alone just like 10%. Yeah, sure. Um, so we can't dictate how God is going to mm. give back to us, but we can trust that, you know, he's the giver of every good and perfect gift. So he's going to give back. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. like, if we delight in giving our gifts or giving our children gifts, how much more so does he delight in it? Mm. Um, but what that looks like is it's up to him. And it should be up to him because it's going to be better than what we want. Yeah, I'm thinking of Ed Maxey. Now, this is a man who's around 90 years old. This is Eric Maxey's father. Oh, sure. And he was a pioneer missionary in Indonesia, and they made a video about his life's work. It's called The Pay is So Good. <laughs> so he's working with stone-aged people in the Balin Valley. These people did not even know what metal was when he showed up. Wow. And they were cannibals also. Wow. So th this is a rough crowd to work with. <laughs> yeah, Ed Maxey. Rough crowd. <laughs> he has uh, just an abundance of fabulous stories, but in the midst of it all, he leads them to Christ. And one of the most powerful things of all is they were so wrapped up in appeasing evil spirits they had this belief that one thing you would do is cut off the fingers of women and sacrifice them to the evil spirits. Wow. And so he's got pictures of his work. 
When in the early pictures, the women are missing at least three fingers, maybe on each hand. But his later pictures, I made it a point to look at the women's hands, and they've got all of their Mm. fingers. Mm. What a boon, Mm. you know, that... I know it's not about keeping your fingers, but yeah. that's something really tangible that now the women have their fingers and they can yeah. they can operate normally. Yeah. Wow. So in this movie, the pay is so good. It's just the greatest little movie. And, and the thing I remember most about it is at the very, very end, there's this simple cart being drawn by a, a tractor. And there's probably... 30 or 40 Indonesians packed onto this cart and they're just riding into the sunset essentially. And all of a sudden they just burst into song and it is the happiest music you'll ever hear in your life. And you think here are people so poor, Mm. they ride on a cart and they're just singing Mm. the most joyful music. That is prosperity. Mm. Mm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts before we move on? I was thinking of like the relationship with a parent and their child is like us and God. Like when we have a child really obeys yeah. because they love to and they that their heart is in it. You can really tell between that and well, I'm just gonna obey so I can get something. Mm-hmm. I think God can really see through that pretty quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> really quick. <laughs> and it just doesn't hold a candle to when I mean it delights it delights him when we obey especially in this area of tithing it doesn't make sense we don't have enough we feel yeah we just say, i'm just gonna do it yeah and that obedience i think thrills him yeah mm. yeah as opposed to well i'm just gonna give so that he's gonna give me some more stuff yeah mm. amen i mean yeah nobody knows hearts like god does <laughs> uh and as ephesians says you know what i'm going to do before i do it uh also psalm 139 says the same thing that's true um and it's absolutely true uh, listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather's, trivia quizzes, and uh, what do you got, Dan? And nineteen ninety five. And women's fingers. No, just kidding. <laughs> and nine, nine, I was trying not to say women's fingers. I was like, all I can think about is fingers. That's all I can think um, about. And I was like, what do I have out of what Dan just said? I'm like, parental guidance. I like. You can send nineteen ninety five to the jet ski fund. <laughs> Uh, it's important to say that if you donate to the Jet Ski Fund, God will not give that back to you. But we might let you ride it. It's the opposite of the <laughs> prosperity gospel. It is the... Uh, we might let you ride it. We, if you're lucky. We will let you ride it. Oh, I mean, how can we not Don't let make people promises ride it? you know we can't keep. <laughs> but if we had a jet ski, why couldn't they ride it? I don't want them to ride it. It's ours. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't want to share. Don't make me share, <laughs> Grandpa. I mean, Nicole Calvin. <laughs> Nicole Calvin's like, oh, five years old. She finally gets a toy that Joel really likes, and <laughs> he's playing with it. And Nicole says, you can't play with that. That's my toy. And Joel says to her, Nicole, the Bible says share. Yeah. And Nicole says, Joel? Sometimes the Bible says share, and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> That's funny. What a little sassy. What a little legalist. You know. She's right. raised there in are a lots of verses that don't say to share. That's right. <laughs> I can name thousands of verses that don't say to share. Uh, <laughs> Send whatever you darn well please to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org for our closing segment this week. It's time for bets. This weekend is our day camp reunion. We had over 200 kids come out for day camp over the summer, and they are all coming back this weekend. Thank you. Or are they? Uh, Our question this week, how many kids will come out for the day camp reunion? Uh, how many kids are going to come out for the day camp? And our tiebreaker, how handsome will the day camp band drummer be? Uh, vote now on your phones. What's the, uh, what's the, out of 10? Uh, out of 10. <laughs> for the drummer. For the drummer. Uh, we'll I think rank it in the same way that we ranked Scorpion's Venom and Staff, meaning zero to dead. <laughs> <laughs> Is he dead handsome? Is he drop dead handsome? Uh, I think you can uh, describe him using words, numbers, or pictures. Uh, the the handsomeness of the drummer. Um, 
So is that of a total of, of 200 kids? What if we had more than 200? Wouldn't that be crazy? I don't know how many kids we normally have. Is this counting? Is this counting our normal kids? This is. This or is, is this just all kids? I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna count. This is in the sanctuary, right? Between no. services. Oh, it's in the. It's in the youth quad. Am I gonna be? Are we, are we gonna be using the? Is the drummer the day camp band drummer? Uh, Mysterious. Who, who we don't <laughs> know, but darn, he's handsome. Uh, is is he going to be using the muted the muted yeah. kit? Yeah. Well, he doesn't know how to do that. Um, well, he'll learn, I guess. I guess he will. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I will There's be there. Total number of kids. I'll be there counting the kids in the room. Okay, so just total number of kids, not That's right. how many kids that don't know. That's right. How All many right. are at the How many are at the day camp reunion? I wish I knew how many there normally were. That would help. That would. <laughs> um, I'm gonna put a number. Down I know what I will not say on this piece of paper, and then yeah, I'm gonna. It was put, just in children's church. Um, I just have no idea. I'm afraid because I don't want to be like pessimistic, but I also don't want to just like grossly overshoot. Seven thousand. <laughs> I, I don't want to say a number that's going to be like <laughs> crazy. Goes like oh. just stacked on top of each other in the youth quad. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm going to guess. Oh, I think I've guessed so wrong. I, now I I'm thinking about know. it. I'm picturing the know. scene. I'm picturing the scene. And I'm wrong. Scott, we don't have time for this. It's 7:30 p.m. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for you to figure out what you're gonna do. <laughs> uh, everybody ready? Everybody's yep. ready. Bill, the handsomeness is uh, 9.617. Oh wow! Praise God. And the <laughs> number of kids is 67. Ooh, okay. I feel pretty good about my guess now. All right. Uh, so I guess 70 kids. Oh, wow. Okay. And my handsomeness is an angry smiley face. Ooh, angry smiley. it could be through pictures. I like it. Dan. <laughs> my guess is I have a lot of crossed out things. I just you have so estimated. many crossed out numbers. 57 children. 57 Ooh. children. And oh, incredibly yeah. charming and handsome. Is wow. It's going to be pretty specific for Bill to be right because Dan and I kind of got him bookended. I am at 48 kids. Oh, I didn't realize you were my, I went 44, 56, 50, 50, 44, and then settled on 57. <laughs> back all the way back to 44, and then you were like, nah, 54. <laughs> no, uh, I was right and, the first time. <laughs> and I said, blessed. He'll be blessed. Oh, hashtag. Blessed out of 10. Uh, that is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Max. Thank, Thank you, Max. Dan Marcello, Ooh. my president, take us home. Well, you've been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you, as always, from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the rip-roaring heart of the nation. One thing that to kind of play a little bit off of what Bill was saying. <laughs> Here, you, um, can fix, you can fix your microphone. What is happening? I lowered it because I, I lowered myself, and then now I'm regretting it because I raised myself back up. You might have to you might have to tighten this part here. That makes me want to sing. Why don't you? That's not the problem. Why the problem was that this this fell because oh, it was I more than to push. What song is this, Dan? I don't know. Build me, me up, up Buttercup. buttercup. Fill me up, Buttercup. buttercup. Oh. Well, Max started very confidently for not knowing. <laughs> not knowing yeah, I don't know how that song goes. <laughs> oh, I do. How does it go, Bill? Why don't you build me up, build me up, Buttercup, buttercup. baby, just to let me down. Let me down. <laughs> turn, turn me around, and then worst of all, worst of all, you never call. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a great song. It's in a, like an Allstate or Progressive or something commercial that I see on Hulu like all the time. Wow. So I've, I've gotten a lot more familiar with it. It just reminded me of said, I lowered it, I raised myself. <laughs> build me up, all right. Um... So anyway, about anyway, time. back to so anyway to play off of what Bill was saying. <laughs> I think Thank you, Bill. Um, so I preached on tithing like two years ago I or something. That. And in Malachi, right? In Malachi. Yeah. And um, one thing that I learned, which makes a lot of sense, is that the word tithing does indicate a tenth. Mm-hmm. Um, um, let's do a sound check. Uh, on three, say your favorite color. I don't think I know everybody's color. Uh, one, two, three. Yellow. Blue. 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 I almost said red. I actually I like, almost said Bill. I almost started by saying Bill. Bill. That Bill color. That color shirt is Bill. Bill. Now, one question I have is: 
is the uh, where in the Bible is Carmen Sandiego going to remain the same as last week? You're gonna have to, I hope so. You're going to have to wait and find out. I had out. the best thing happen. What happened? I forgot that I took the jelly beans home, and like two days later, I was like, oh, I put them in the spot in my backpack. Jelly beans! <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Christmas present. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> All right, well, let's... let's uh, yes! <laughs> I've started this. I started this thing this week, and I'll let you know how it goes. Um, where I'm trying, when I get a scam call, I always answer scam calls, and I just see what the heck happens. Um, but it's not usually super interesting because they have a name associated with my account. So when I tell them my name is James Walsh, they always hang up because um, they're like, "Oh, you're not saying you're Max. You're saying you're James." So they hang up. But I've started lately. You know, I get those ones that are, mine are always like, there's a problem with your social security account, press one to speak to an officer. Uh, and so I always press one, and I started this week uh, just saying hi, and they say, hello, social security. And I said, hi. Um, I was wondering if I can pray with you. And the first person I did it with, she was like, that's awesome. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I was like, I, I wanted to know if I could pray with you. And she's like, about what? And I was like, why? That's a good question. What do you need prayer for? And she was like, what? And I was like, what do you need prayer for? It's super loud in the background of her workspace. So I'm like, what do you need prayer for? And she's like, I, I mean, I know it's important. And I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm just going to start praying. And what's your name? And she says, something, something Williams. And I'm like, Summon someone Williams back to her, and then she hangs up. And I'm like, I almost had her. I should have just started praying. Uh, so the second guy, like three hours later, I get another call. I answer it. I'm like, hi. And he's like, hello, Social Security. I'm like, hi. I was wondering if I could pray with you. And he hangs up immediately. So I'm going to get someone, and I have no idea what I'm going to pray for. Um, but Good I mix. think, why not, right? Like, yeah. I think evangelism is terrifying. You might as well start with your captive audience. <laughs> it's they like, you, you called me. They called you. I have every right to make you that. pray with me. I was wondering me. if I could pray. I'm thinking about this. But that's so creepy <laughs> that there's so much noise in the background. What a, what a factory they got yeah. going for oh, scamming. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Bill, are you ready? Yep. Okay. Max, are you ready? No.